Welcome to another episode of Step Back Sisterhood. I am your host for this evening, Amber Vickers. I have Tara and I have Janelle with me. And our good sis, Brittany, is enjoying her vacation. What topic should we get into tonight first, ladies? There is so much that we need to get into, but I'm really inclined to go with the aftermath of game five of the finals. There's been some interesting tweets from CJ McCollum and Spencer Dinwiddie. And it's about Giannis and um, they've been trying to kind of like give Chris Middleton the finals MVP. Here's what Spencer said. Just thought of an interesting what if. Maybe Marvel inspired me. Giannis is out for game six due to health and safety protocols with close contact with Thanos. Bucks still win. Does K-Mid gets finals MVP? He said that on Twitter. CJ kindly seconded that, asking whether or not should Middleton get the finals MVP over Giannis. And people on Twitter have been on them about those tweets. And you know, criticized for him, accusing him of xenophobia, even. What is behind this hate of Gian? I mean, this, you know, criticism and hate of Giannis. Some people think it's maybe because he don't have a bag or he's his rise is, you know, prevalent and obvious. I think it's a multitude of things. I think it's his rise, of course, and you know there's going to be some jealousy and, and some envy in some kind of way. And also for the fact that Giannis really sticks to himself. He's not out here um, working out with people. You know, he, he just have a close group that he's, you know, he roll with, you know, his teammates, his, his family. And there's nothing wrong with that. What do y'all think is behind this? this whole Giannis shade. I think there's a a multitude of things for me. I have a really, really enjoyed watching Middleton this series. I'm not sure that I would say that Middleton, you know, deserves the MVP over Giannis should the, should the Bucks win, but Middleton has had a really terrific series. I, I, when you brought up that tweet earlier, like, I totally agree. That's kind of like a weird tweet to say, like, especially about somebody in your brotherhood, right. You know, somebody else in your league to be like saying something like maybe he's going to be out. And I don't know, I haven't seen whatever Marvel movie inspired it. So I do agree that it was like a weird thing to say. And I just kind of think it was just like a thought experiment. Like we'll get this one guy out of the way and then we can hand it to the other guy. Um, but I do, I mean, I want to make sure that like, it's clear that I think that, uh, Middleton has had a, you know, a really good series. I don't know that he's uh, finals MVP, but the other thing that you brought up, which I think, um, is interesting is like, why does Giannis seem to sort of like be outside, you know, the, the regular, um, not regular, uh, you know, the rest of, of these guys. Um, and I wonder how much of it is because I, I just feel like the two, his two, his back-to-back MVPs before his team had really accomplished a ton. To me, that just kind of took away some of his uh, shine for me. Like, I just was like, 
like I feel like they just sort of handed it to him like I understand that he's really good but before his team had gone like all the way to the finals I just I feel like it was they they like latched onto like as soon as Giannis was like a low draft pick and that was super exciting that somebody who was picked so late in the draft would have like so much success just a few years into his career and like be clearly way better than anybody thought and then they like didn't even pause they just like handed him the MVP and so I just wonder if there's a little bit of, and I wouldn't say resentment. I don't know how much these guys resent each other, but just like a little bit of lingering feelings about that. I think you may be right. I mean, it, you, you can probably say uh, resentment because uh, Harden said the quiet part out loud about, you know, they think all Giannis can do is run and dunk. But if that gets you wins, that's all you need. Would you have that same energy for Shaq? You know what I mean? There's, you know, there's plenty of people that doesn't have the finesse and the skill, but got the job done and won, you know? And I'm I'm also thinking that, you know, it's it is a bit of resentment. And I don't know, and I don't even think as xenophobia, because they don't have the same energy for Luca. They don't have the same energy for uh, Jokic either, and they're they're foreign players. So I don't think it's that. I think it's just basic run of the mill, petty jealousy. They've done the same thing with Steph. They've done the same thing with Kobe. It, it's it's a weird dynamic in the league, you know. So, you know some. Some player, you know, they gravitate to each other. And there's some players that's kind of outside of that. And the others let it be known. And but, there's just some things you don't, you don't type. But there's some <laughs> type and, and Spencer's on some weirdo stuff. And he's always been on some weirdo stuff. And that shouldn't have been tight. And even if, and even God forbid that happened to Giannis, that still doesn't negate the fact that he had 40, on back-to-back nights that still doesn't negate the fact that he had that block you know what I mean if Giannis was out for game six and the Bucks still win he's still getting that Russell trophy hmm ah I don't understand the dislike for Giannis either I do think he's an athlete we haven't seen before I do think that when you look back at the 2015 draft you you scratch your head a lot about that draft, right? I think that's the draft Anthony Bennett went number one overall, correct? The Cleveland Cavaliers? Yeah. Okay. Giannis goes fifth, seventh or 15th? I think Bucks. 15th. He wasn't okay. seventh. Okay. Something like that. Okay. So you're looking at Giannis, and his rise has been very different than other people. I'm going to read his book. I'm going to listen to it on, on Audible. A guy that I work with on Rap Sports Network actually interviewed the young lady that wrote that book about him. He interviewed her on Thursday. So I watched his interview on YouTube, Aaron Washington, uh, Business Casual Basketball. He has a podcast. I'll send it to you ladies because he was able to interview her on Thursday. Miriam is a dope writer. Her name is Miriam Fader. Yes. And I was like, wow. But I loved Giannis. I I fell in love with Giannis probably, I want to say, four years ago. Four years ago, I was like, wow, he's skinny. Oh, no, he's getting bigger. He's getting bigger. He's getting bigger. 
becoming more skilled. Now, there's things that Giannis needs to work on. We all know that. He knows that. The free throw thing, I think, is a mental block for him. I just honestly think that. The same with Ben Simmons. Giannis was afraid to shoot the ball. He's no longer afraid to shoot the ball. He's taking, sometimes he takes those three-point shots and we're like, why Giannis? But he thinks about it before he takes them. Like, sometimes he'll think about, like, should I take it? And then Giannis is like, well, you know what? I'm, I'm going to take it. <laughs> and you're like, okay, Giannis, take your three-point shots. But he was hitting mid-range shots yesterday, long mid-range shots when they played the Suns on Saturday. He also was getting his teammates involved. And I thought his knee, his knee looked disastrous. I was like, what? Oh, my goodness. Is he going to be able to play? But game one, he was trying to fill it out. And in game two, he got more aggressive. In game three and four, you know, and five, we'll see what he looks like in game six. I'm pretty sure he'll look well. But I know he's going to probably take a break because I know that knee. I think it's the adrenaline that keeps him going with that knee. They shoot it up. He has adrenaline. I know he's sore after the game because the way his knee bent back, uh, that just looked awful. And I didn't think he would be able to play the first couple of games of this series. I'm glad he's able to play because now the series is more competitive. Giannis will be the MVP of the finals if they do win. There's no debate about that because without Giannis on the floor, the Milwaukee Bucks, you know what I mean? It's only so much. Chris Middleton can do. There's only so much Drew Holiday can do. Drew Holiday finally had a good game. Thank you, Drew Holiday. Chris Middleton's been pretty consistent in these finals. I mean, he's been kind of consistent, inconsistent, consistent, inconsistent. You know, however you want to size up Chris Middleton. But Chris Middleton has hit big shots for the Milwaukee Bucks. I think they won game four because of Chris Middleton. But the finals MVP runs through Giannis. That team goes as Giannis goes. We all know that. I don't understand the hate for him either. Giannis is a very humble guy. He's sure he's humble, but he's sure of himself. But he all always wants to get better. He supports his brothers, and I absolutely love that. He always wants to get better. Do people love Giannis more than they love Ben Simmons? I mean, but do people Love Ben Simmons more than Giannis. And if they do, I wonder why. Yeah, I think you said something really profound right there, Amber, um, about being sure of himself. When somebody is sure of themselves, that scares some people. You know what I mean? You know mm -hmm. how Kobe was. Jordan, yeah. It was the same way with Jordan and Isaiah. And even Steph, Steph is kind of like Giannis as far as, you know, being humble um, and Steph is joyful, but the bottom line is that Steph is sure of himself and he really don't care about what anyone says about him. He's, he's him and he's going to always be him. Giannis is the same way in that regard and, th and that certainty of themselves scare him. And you could even say that basketball people are like artists, you know, they're artists. And some artists are sensitive about their work. And sometimes these guys are sensitive about their stuff. Speaking of his work, I went to go look at the draft and uh, it was actually 2013. I think we may have said 15, but it was 2013. Okay. But okay. of that, and he was taken 15th. We got that right. Um, in that class, he has played the most minutes of the entire class. He has the most assists. 
in that whole class. And he has the most points in that class. And he has the second most rebounds behind Rudy Gobert. So he's doing some, some serious art, um, you know, uh, standing out from, from the, from the rest of that class, which includes CJ McCollum, who was commenting on him. (laughs) Um, But I think, uh, you know, what you said about him, not um, like having the confidence. And I also think, and maybe this goes a little bit to uh, like what some people were maybe saying was xenophobia. Um, He just, he didn't come up in the same system as a lot of these guys who crossed paths with each other in AAU who may have crossed paths with each other in college. So he kind of came up outside of the system because he's not from the U S and so he's really tight with his very close family. And that's like one of the things that Marion talks about in um, you know, in, in the articles about him. So maybe because maybe that's one of the reasons that he still, it seems like he kind of stands apart from the rest of the group is that he didn't grow up in the same system um having come from somewhere else and so he doesn't really need and so he didn't really need them like in aau and college or whatever but can't you say the same about luca though but can't you say the same about um Jokic? yeah yeah i mean oh but if they had been in the same situation maybe they would have asked the same hypothetical question about him i mean i don't yeah i don't that's interesting i mean Jokic has always kind of seemed a little bit like a man apart as well. And <laughs> I uh, have thoroughly enjoyed his, um, did you guys see the story, the picture of him after uh, he got uh, his MVP and went back home there, a picture of him doing chariot racing. Like he just, I, I will find it. It was just like, the, he's just like in this little cart behind this horse, just going around in circles. And he just looks so happy <laughs> and so just mellow and just so Jokic. <laughs> but, you know, sometimes these guys, because they've been around each other, been playing against each other, they've been in the same system for so long. Um, maybe just the, the players who uh, played outside of that U.S. system um, just don't feel as involved. But that kind of brings up another topic that we might want to talk about today. And that is Team USA basketball. Yes. What in the world is happening? With with them or the players specifically? I'm just kind of throwing it out there as a general topic. You know, America or USA taking two losses right out the gate. Um you know, people talking about is Team USA in trouble? You know, it's it's pretty clear that over the last, you know, several Olymp- few Olympic cycles, the rest of the world has started to play a higher level of basketball. Plus, the Team USA guys are playing against different rules that they're not used to. But I don't know. Do you all think that they're in trouble? But the, these other countries are playing by the same rules that the NBA players are um, playing because some of these teams have NBA players and coaches on them. Look at Nigeria. You know, um, Australia got NBA players on them. So it's is it's dicey. It's dicey for Team USA because putting a team together is not easy. It's it's not easy. And you have to put a team together that has to figure out so little in so little time. 
right? They have a couple of exhibition games, a couple of practices. Okay, we're going to go play against other countries. Like Janelle said, other countries have caught up or are starting to catch up because you, we're getting more foreign players. I talked about this with the WNBA as well. I'm waiting for the WNBA and foreign, you know, international players to catch up, but it's starting to happen because you're seeing more foreign players drafted. For Team USA, though, I haven't been able to watch them. I'm not sure if I'm going to watch the Olympics. I'm going to try to, but I've been watching less TV here lately. And we're going to have a huge sports break. WNBA doesn't come back to August 12th. The NBA will be over next week. So I was like, okay, Amber, you're going to have to have something to watch, just at least a couple of hours a day. I'll probably turn it on and watch the men compete. I think Keldon Johnson and JaVel McGee got two spots for Bradley Beal and Kevin Love, if I'm thinking correctly. That's right. So, okay, we got some new blood. Now, how do you compete internationally? Internationally, excuse me. Who has international experience? Kevin Durant, I'm thinking about who's on Team USA right now. Katie has um, international experience. Draymond uh-huh. uh Carmelo Anthony's sitting right there. Why don't they he pick is. him up? I mean, I think he wants to chill and drink his wine <laughs> and, you know, enjoy life. I mean, it's sort of a joke, <laughs> but like also they like put Kevin Durant on the team and or not Kevin Durant. I'm sorry, Kevin Love. And I was like, Carmelo Anthony's got at least for Olympic basketball. He's got as much as Kevin Love does. More. I, I mean, people think people probably put if you talk about top five Olympic players of all time, Carmelo Anthony's on there for sure by far. I mean, you know what I mean? Because of what he he's done for Team USA basketball. But not very many of these guys have international experience. And international experience is very important. I'm eager to see how they – I think they play today, if I'm not mistaken. Don't they play today? They play Sunday, which is today. Uh, for us, it's Sunday, guys. But when you hear this podcast, it'll be next week. Well, sometime this early this week. The women play – Sunday, which is today for us as well. So I'm eager to see how they perform. I will probably watch it so I can look at it and kind of evaluate it. But can they win gold, the gold medal? Yes. Now, what international teams can challenge them, in you guys' opinion? Have you guys watched international basketball? I know Australia will be good because, you know, Patty Mills scores averages 40 a game for the Australian team. So. I haven't watched enough, so I depend on whatever I would, whatever you would say. Australia seems reasonable. I've always, I've actually really enjoyed um, uh, Nigeria because uh, Alpha Rukaminu used to play for them for mm-hmm. uh, for the, both for the World Cup and for the Olympics. So he was one of my favorite Blazers, and so I've followed them for a while. And he's not playing with them anymore, but absolutely thrilled for them to get that win. That that was just—I know it was exhibition, but what I mean, just how much that must mean to them, like as a unit, to know that they could go out and do that. I think that's exciting. But I'm also like, I'm worried about the fact that. Um, three of them are playing in the finals right now and then they have people i like the roster just seems like way too thin right now uh and i just i feel like they should uh like i mean i don't want drew holiday chris middleton if i'm if i'm milwaukee i don't want drew holiday chris middleton and um who else there's one more Devin booker but he's playing for phoenix so right 
Yeah. So I, yeah. yeah, if I wouldn't, well, if I, for any of those teams, I would be like, you're going to go play. I don't know. It just seems to me like, uh, you know, we've, we've, we've already had these discussions about the shortened off season. So to go from playing the finals into the Olympics, which, you know, like, I don't know. Originally we thought, you know, team or maybe some of us thought the team USA was going to go over there and like blow everybody out. And if you're like Chris Middleton or Devin Booker, you like, aren't going to have to like, you know, play a ton or whatever, but also there's like traveling and going to Tokyo. I mean, that's like going to be, that's a big toll on your body after, especially after you've just played all this. I don't know. The whole thing just seems like it's not been very well. It, it seems a little shaky. Let's just say that. Oh yeah, I agree. I, I don't know. I think this team was just put together. It just seems rushed to me. And maybe I'm thinking too far into it. But the process just seems so rushed. I guess because everything has been crammed in, right? They have to go to the Olympics because it's already been paid for. But the new Delta variant is spreading. Bradley Beal, which I think is a blessing in disguise for him, you know, is not able to go. I think he needs that rest for his body because I think these NBA players need to rest. I wouldn't want to go play overseas in a country that A, does not want you there. They don't want us over there. That should be perfectly clear. B, <laughs> the Delta variant is spreading. And C, it seems forced. Like all of this seems so forced to me. I just don't understand it. That's why I am contemplating on watching it, but I know these athletes have worked so hard to be there. It's like, I want to support the athlete, but what kind of product will I get? I think track and field, track and field for me is always the most exciting. I like track and field. I like diving. I love the diving. I love the swimming. The basketball, yeah, that's fun. But outside of basketball, the events I watch the most, gymnastics is very exciting as well. Mm-hmm. Gymnastics. Oh, I love gymnastics. So oh, love gymnastics. my goodness. Like that is just, oh, to see those women so athletically gifted, it's just amazing. But those are my events. Yes, I watch basketball, but those are exciting events. Track is very quick. It's like, boom, like the, the relay races and the, oh, I just love it all. But anyway, this just seems. But these guys who, but yeah, they've had this long yes. season and then it's not like they're going to, I mean, obviously running a track race is like a, you know, a huge big deal, but these guys are playing multiple games over a lot of time. Like it's going to be a sustained performance that they're going to have to do if they're going to make it all the way to the gold medal round. Yes. And it's a lot of wear and tear on your body because they're going back. The NBA is going back to this regular schedule programming, training camp, preseason, 82 games. And you just played a season it's like oh my goodness can you take a break but the you know WBA the women in WBA they're playing the Olympics right in the middle of the season which I think is somewhat better because you're okay you're already in season they're just games that you would play during the season right because you get that mid-season break I mean you get that you know they have that long break the WBA has like a month off for the Olympics, but they're just games you would play in the season anyway. You'd be playing anyway during the season. So that's great for them. But when they get done with that, they come back and in Seattle and Connecticut play for the Commissioner's Cup. Then the season resumes on August 15th. 
and then they'll be playing for a playoff spot. But when they get done with the playoffs, if you make the playoffs, if you make the finals in the WBA, you have like three days before you have to go back overseas. So that, that turnaround is very quick. I just, I want to, avoid, I want for NBA players to avoid injury as much as possible. If I was an NBA player, I wouldn't do it. I would just rest my loins. I get why Kevin Durant is doing it because he was in and out the lineup this season. He's still getting his legs back from his Achilles. These younger players want to play for Team USA and they want the experience. I just don't think they're going to get the full experience because of COVID. I don't think they're going to get the full experience that they want. So I think 2024 in Paris would be a great experience, Lord willing, that we don't have something else happen, you know, in between time. I just think these Olympics seem very rushed and forced because of money. I agree. I agree. And I'm I'm torn on wanting to watch it also. I mean, you know, you, you want to support your, you know, your country and support some of the best ball players in the world, but you know, you don't know what you're getting as far as the product goes. I, I don't know. Yeah, as far as the uh, what you were saying, Amber, about like all the other events to watch, you know, we don't get to watch them as much. So it's fun and it's novel. And it's like we already have this big, long basketball season that, you know, we're spoiled that it's like probably the best in the world. So we're we're used to that. And then the Olympics is just like sort of a, a different feeling. And uh, somebody, you know, Damien was, had media availability yesterday. So people are on Friday. So a lot of people were talking in Portland, were talking about Damien's role on team USA, you, you know, playing alongside Kevin Durant. And then somebody was like, so are you, and I can't, I don't think they asked Damien this directly. I think it was a side conversation, but somebody was like, so is Damien just, and Kevin Durant going to just like have to carry this whole team because like people are injured or not available or, you know, um, I don't know. It's just the team isn't as, I don't want to say it's not as inspiring, but we're, we're coming, we're going to be coming off of the finals, which has been tremendous basketball. It's been awesome. It's been some of the best basketball I've seen in a long time with different teams that we're not used to. So we're seeing different play. And I just feel like the basketball at the Olympics is going to be a little bit of a letdown. So I probably won't watch as much of that as I will watch beach volleyball. Cause like, that's so freaking fun to watch <laughs> or gymnastics or some of these other ones that we don't see all the time. Yeah. Uh, there, there are some runners from my alma mater. A&T is going to be competing. I might want to check that out, but other than that, I, I don't know. I'm kind of good on the Olympics. I do love me some beach volleyball. See, that's that's fun too. I, I like those those fun sports that you don't get to see. That's why I mentioned like track, gymnastics. Mm-hmm. You know, they have world championships and things like that. You know, the diving. I love the diving. Yes. I, I spent three hours on YouTube watching diving videos <laughs> uh, for men and women, and it it was. I was just like, wow, like how they score them, the different routines they do. I just. You know, I'm just a fan. I was like, whoa. And the platform, they look like they're going to hit their heads, but they don't. 
it just is like so close. I'm like, please don't hit your head. But I know you're professional, but please don't hit your head. You might be too young to remember when Greg Luganis did hit his head. Oh, goodness. somebody did hit his head when I was it was when I was a kid. Uh, yeah, Greg Luganis was a diver and he dived and he hit the back of his head on the platform and it was he just like crumpled and just went like a rock right into the pool. It was awful. Oh, it was he really pa- awful. He passed away. He passed so let's. Away. Ha- Oh, no, 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 no. He's fine. He, he went on to have a really long career, but he did bump his, he did hit his head on it. Okay. Um, and yeah, but no, great. Look him up. Greg Lagain is fascinating person. Uh, but yeah, he did, but you will want to skip that, uh, that. Okay. I will. No problem. (laughs) So when we first got on, we were talking about like just some of the things that players are getting up to who are not playing right now. And we were talking about uh, Kevin Durant and what he's been up to <laughs> uh, joining Twitter spaces. Yeah, Did you I guys catch in, that? And, you know, it, that first one was so impromptu. Um, I'm cool with the host of that spaces, uh, Urkel. Shouts out to Urkel. And how that started was... It, it was a, a byproduct of KD already responding to tweets about what happened with the Warriors, um, why, why he left the Warriors. And then KD just popped up into the, to the spaces. And, you know, to, his, to Urkel's credit, you know, he managed it the best that he could. But, you know, there were so many people talking and trying to get an edge a word in edgewise that KD, you know, couldn't talk. They were asking, you know, just just questions about, you know, why, what happened, you know, and it got to the point where it shut down a couple of times. Everybody in sports media was in that spaces. And even the CEO of Twitter was there. It, it was, it was wild. Wow. And, and tweeted it too. I just, the more Kevin Durant does stuff like that, the more it just endears him to me, really, to tell you the it, truth. It really does. And um, it humanizes him. Even though, you know, sometimes you sit back and ask, why did he continue to do it? And I think it is why he continued to do it. He, he is a you know among the people he 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 humanizes himself and that is endearing and i don't think you know people should take that for granted and um you know me personally if if i had the talent or or asking like kd you you think i would sit up on twitter and having the you know having the answer to you know some of these fans i mean a lot of us are knowledgeable but you know i'm i don't think i could you know no nah, no nah. did you watch it amber or read up I, on it i read i tried to read up on it my timeline was talking about other things you know when you have multiple like a diversity palette of followers like I have a diversity palette of followers and some things I get some things I don't get so I saw like bits and pieces of it 
And then I'll saw bits and pieces of something else and something else. I tried to put it together, but I just quit quite, oh goodness, come on, Amber, talk today. I couldn't quite put it together for some strange reason. And I wanted to, but all I really saw, the gist I got of it is you had one shot to ask Kevin Durant a question. And this is what you ask him, like, come on, dude. Like, and then I saw something else where somebody was trying to tell Kevin Durant how to play basketball. Yeah. Yeah, how to play basketball, which is beyond me. But, you know, it happens. It it happens. You get the casuals that think they know basketball and have no idea, haven't even played past high school. So I think it was some trolling involved with that. I really honestly do. But Kevin Durant has had fun on social media. And I like the Kevin Durant interacts on social media. I personally like it. I, I so. do too. I, I do too. Um, you know, and he was on another spaces, but this one was more organized and, you know, he, he got to talk about hoops and I think that's where his comfort zone lies. I mean, yeah, he, he kind of engaged with the sensationalism, but at the end of the day, he's more comfortable talking about that 94 feet. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, I thought about asking KD some questions. I I couldn't ask him on the first basis because I didn't stay. Um, but the second one, I thought about asking him a question, but I, I didn't think that I would um, get called. So I didn't even bother to press speak, but I would love to, to interact with KD about who, specifically how he breaks down film, how he watches film. Because that's an area that I I want to really improve on for, for my writing, you know. And I think it'll be cool to break down film through the eyes of a player, especially a player like KD on the offensive end. Because he's so multifaceted and, and um, score on three levels. And it'll be cool to know what he would be thinking and I've noticed over the years that, you know, I started listening to his podcast and, you know, listening to little clips of him here and there, like the more time goes by, the older he gets, the more comfortable he is, because I think earlier on in his career, he wasn't really very comfortable with that much talking. And so I think he's gotten, uh, it's been, could become easier for him. I think that not only that he's more comfortable, but I also think that um, he stopped trying to please people. Yeah, more and more confident of like that what he's saying yes. is what yes. he feels like saying. Right. Because I think, you know, people want to please a lot of people yeah. a lot of the time. And I think maybe earlier on, maybe that's how it came across a little bit. But now it was so funny. I, I listened to a little bit of that, uh, the one I think that Urkel was running. And it was, they were talking about the double teaming and they were asking Kevin Durant if um, Steph Curry made him better. And he was like, what? (laughs) And then, and then they got into this whole conversation about double teaming about, well, you know, did you get more space because Steph Curry is so big? And then like all these guys got in this discussion about double teaming and what kind of double teaming they meant. And I was like, Oh my, you guys have Kevin Durant here. Like stop arguing about double teaming and like ask him real questions or talk to him about basketball. But yeah, right. You know, and 
again, I, I would just love to just just talk about basketball to him because see when when it comes to the game, he just seems so insightful. And when he's talking about basketball, he's more comfortable. But what what fascinates me about KD is that he seem he seems to respond to the negative. You know, that seems to get his attention instead of, you know, just coming like, hey, you know, I'd like to talk about hoop too. But, you know, what would you look like? And if and if it's not your nature, just trying to troll him on Twitter to get a response. That's crazy to me. You know, saying stuff that you know that you would say to his face. He even addressed that in his second spaces. When some guy said, well, you know, I've been saying cracking jokes about you and da, 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 da. A lot of the jokes that these uh, guys crack about these players ain't even funny. I, I agree. I don't know what and, joke is. That not, and I'm saying to myself, y'all ain't funny. Y- y'all non-funny asses can't be serious. How can you say that's a joke? I think they know that he's going to respond. Yeah. That, that's the thing. They know that he's going to respond, but he's going to respond in a sarcastic way because that's Kevin Durant. And really all Kevin Durant wants to do is play basketball. All he wants to do is play basketball, you know, and, and smoke his ganja. That's it. That's all he wants to do, you know. And, hey, Kevin Durant, you're a free spirit. I love it. But I love when he snaps back on Twitter. I personally laugh. I'll read the whole thread because I think it's hilarious. Yeah, he, he's he's good with that. Yeah, he is. <laughs> I find it very funny and hilarious. I really There's some players that should do the same thing. Yeah. But you know, with Kevin Durant, the comparables, you know, people have tried to compare him to LeBron. And who's the best? Is it Kevin Durant? Can Kevin Durant win by himself? Which, you know, nobody can win by themselves. That's very difficult. You know, he went to Golden State, the team that beat him. It's just a lot of people have ammunition and animosity. I know OKC fans have animosity towards Kevin Durant. I tell OKC fans all the time, let it go. It's a business. Let it go. The NBA is a business. And it's becoming more business-like because there's more money to be made. Let that go. Kevin Durant left and went to Golden State. Boo-hoo. Let it go. Let it go. Let's go to state to, to go to Brooklyn for whatever reason. Why are we still yeah. talking about it nearly uh, three years after the fact? People just have a hard time letting stuff go. Yeah, you have to move on. You, you have to. Who it's cares just... why he left? He left. Whatever reasons that he left, that's, that's between him and his people or whatever. He don't, he don't owe us anything. You know, just just let it go. Humans hold on to to things way too long, I think. You know, my dog will bump his head, he'll shake it off and forget about it. You know, a human will bump their head and it's kind of like a dramatic thing for four or five days. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, so and they're I, mad I just, at the post that they hit their head on. Yes. And the dog just my dog will just look around and be like, oh, okay, and just go on about his business, like, oops, my bad, I ran into something. We can learn a lot from animals. But anyway, what I want to get into next, ladies, is our feelings about the NBA Finals. 
how do you feel that fans are receiving the NBA Finals this season compared to seasons in the past? We've seen the same matchups. Are fans still liking the new matchup? Are they liking the new matchup? Or do they want to see, you know, LeBron and Steph, those same old people in the finals? I personally like the new blood in the finals, but I want to hear what you ladies have to say about it. I'm enjoying the new blood in the finals. And, you know, I see why people want, you know, the LeBrons and the Stephs or what have you. But this final separate who, who was really hardcore fans and who's, more of the casuals. And, you know, the casuals, some of them, maybe this series might draw them in. And that would be good for the league. I agree. This this has been a tremendous series the basketball has been fun and you know the last like two times that we've recorded I think I've complained about how boring the Bucks are to watch so I don't know if it's because of this particular matchup or if the Bucks have changed something but I suddenly am finding them fascinating to watch and you know this whole time I've been saying that I didn't think that the Suns had what you know what it took to make it all the way and boy was I wrong about that we're seeing different styles of play and I'm like, you know, noticing like in my feed, a lot of people saying like, this is fantastic. This is like great basketball. And I think to your point, Janelle, I think it, people who are, you know, not as long time or as diehard are watching this going, Oh, wow. This game is really fun and exciting. These like we've, we've been, we've had to see sit through so many like lopsided um, games both this year and then in other, you know, in past series, but this has not been that this has been like, somebody gets down by 15, 20 points. The game is not over that it is still going to go. It's been really fun. Yes, And I, I thought the books, but see, I still think the books don't really make adjustments until the last minute. It, it seems like to me, and I, I'm just really impressed by their resiliency, despite whatever coach bud is on you know they they are really deep team when you when you really look at them well and we've talked about middleton and giannis but holiday yes he's been I, yes, amazing I, on twitter i'll i post this question who are the x factors is it drew is it drew holiday is it um middleton or is it somebody else a lot of some people said Drew, some people said Middleton, and some people said Connaughton, Pat Connaughton, and uh, Portis, former Blazer great Pat Connaughton. Yeah. I will just say. So, I think there's multiple X factors. Drew Holiday for his defense on CP3 and his defense period. Middleton for him coming up big offensively in certain pockets of the game. Uh, Connaughton for his threes off the bench and his rebounding. Uh, Portis for his energy off the bench. There's multiple X factors and they are blending together. And right now they're on the verge of a championship because of that. I was wrong about Holiday. 
Because, you know, in the past, he wasn't as aggressive on offense in the past. You know, he's known as a defensive player. He had his aggressive moments on offense. But in the past, that was who he was. But he's more aggressive on offense, and I like it. The Bucks need that. They need this version of Drew Holiday. P.J. Tucker has been a very valuable piece for them as well, even though, you know, Devin Booker's light him up. But it's Devin Booker, and he's, he's figured P.J. Tucker out, I think. But P.J. Tucker is still an important piece to that team. You don't win that Brooklyn series without P.J. Tucker. Mm-mm. You don't. You don't win that Brooklyn series without Drew Holiday either. So those two acquisitions were huge for Milwaukee. So I was wrong about that. I always admit when I'm wrong. Giannis has played. Giannis is going to be Giannis. We just have to throw him out. He's going to be Giannis. Chris Middleton has had an up and down playoffs. But in this series, he's been very consistent. Very consistent. They don't win game four without Chris Middleton. They do not win game four without Chris Milton. And if they don't win game four, I think the Suns win game five. The Suns let game five slip away from them. I think they're going to regret that. I think they're going to regret game four and regret game five. Is this finals over? No. Can the Suns win in Milwaukee? Sure they can. Sure they can. Does CP3 need to have a better, better games? Yes, he does. Devin Booker did well. DeAndre Ayton needs to step up. Jay Crowder's played well. Um, Cam Johnson needs to see more minutes in my opinion he needs more shots because Cam Johnson seems like he can't miss Uh, Mikael Bridges I want to see him get more involved because when they were winning those guys were getting more shots and they were more involved this iso ball I'm not too fond of I like the Phoenix Suns when they were moving the ball that's when they were winning that's how they built their lead in the first quarter they were moving the ball then all of a sudden the ball kind of stopped and I didn't like that I don't think Monty liked that either. And I think when they go back and watch the film, they'll see, okay, we weren't moving the ball. We weren't making the Bucks move on defense. And it seemed like when the Bucks hit a shot, Phoenix hit a shot. If Phoenix got a stop, they could not hit a shot on the other end. I want to see more ball movement from the Phoenix Suns. So you are, y'all are thinking that this is not over, right? That, that I think it could easily go seven. I think it could because a part of me, the Chris Paul fan in me wants it to go seven because I don't want to see him lose in six to the Bucks, lose four in a row. That would look horrible. And I just think people would just dock him for that, especially since he did not have a good game four. I think it was game five. He was decent. He was decent in game five. He wasn't giving you 30, but he gave you what almost 20. He was okay in game five. He missed some easy shots that he normally hits, but he had some difficult shots as well. And he did bring them back in the fourth quarter. They just weren't able to get over that hump. They couldn't stop Middleton for some strange reason because Middleton was just hitting crazy shots. Like I said before, he stepped up a lot in this series. Uh, The Chris Paul fan in me wants us to go seven, and Chris Paul went in seven. So I think they could win game six since, you know, Milwaukee got game – Five in Phoenix, I think they can get game six. I do I do think that Milwaukee has all the momentum winning three in a row. I do think that. But I'm still a believer that Chris Paul can get can get him a ring because I think this is his best shot, honestly, looking around the league. I think this is his best shot. Well, the Chris Paul cynic or critic in me, what want this over with? And I'm not saying that the Bucks have it in the bag yet because they can get cute and snack up. 
and they've been known to do that. The Bucks got to act like they're down 3-2 and keep that same energy like they did last night for, you know, I mean, in game five when they came back because Phoenix had all the energy, all the energy in the in the world and jumped that to a 16-point lead in the first quarter. And it wasn't sustainable. Bud had uh, – Bud made adjustments. And then it was off from there. They, I think they scored like what? 70, I mean, Milwaukee scored like 79 points after the second quarter or the first. Yeah, they did. They just, it just seemed like Milwaukee could miss. And Phoenix hit great shots. They were going back and forth. <clears throat> but then yeah. Phoenix went on that drought. They were going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And you're like, okay, Phoenix, you got to get stops. You have to get stops because if you don't get stops, you're not going to be able to win this game. So they weren't able to get stops. And that was the difference in the yeah, game. What Phoenix need to do, if they want to win, they, they have to find a way to get get CP3 moves. You know, because he had, because Drew was on him. Drew has been hounding him for a good stretch of the series. I don't know whether or not that could be um, screens, but they, they're going to have to kind of spring him loose. I would hate to see people criticize Chris Paul for losing in this. Like, I get that the whole reason you're in it is because you want to win. But what he's done this year is tremendous. And what he, like, the amount, you know, how long he's been playing. He's not one of the youngest guys in the league. And to be playing at this high level for this long to be taking teammates who really do not have playoff experience at all this far for the most part to take them this far. Like, I think I, I just, I hope he gets all the appreciation in the world for what he's accomplished this year. If the Phoenix Suns don't win. Cause I think it's just tremendous what they've done. Like I said, this whole time I've been like, no, there's, there's no way they're going to make it that far. Well, they're not going to make it to the next round. Well, they're not going to make it to the next round. Well, they're certainly not going to make it to the finals. And they just have proved me wrong at every, uh, at, at every turn. And I think a lot of it is because of Chris Paul and, if he doesn't manage to win the championship, I still, he just deserves, I think so much praise for what he's put together. Yes. It would break my heart to see him so close. What I don't get, what, what I don't, you know, agree with is since people, those in the mainstream media and and some, uh, some of you fans out there, want to give praise to CP3. I mean, and he's the, he's worthy of the praise for the season he had. But, you know, in stretches during this this run, this this finals, he, he was less than. We don't, you know, any other player, they won't get excuses. They'll get packed up. And if he, and if CP3 don't win, and he's still having, you know, if he had like a bad game six, I don't want to hear no excuses. I want y'all to keep that same energy that you have for everybody else. Do they get he this far without him? Better. Huh? He has to play better. He got no question better. about that. Yeah. Go ahead, Tara. What'd you say? I was just gonna say. I mean, 
I don't think they get this far without no, him. Do no, they? they don't. I, I'm not trying to take anything away from him, but you know, I just ask for people to, you know, if CP3 come up short and in front of, I mean, and it's his own doing, he don't get a pass. And he shouldn't. Nobody else would. Braun wouldn't. Steph wouldn't. Dane wouldn't. You know? I mean, I think it just all goes back to like how hard it is to win a championship. <laughs> Only one team gets to win a championship. Yeah. I, I agree. And the thing about CP3 is he's holding himself accountable. I think the reporter asked Devin Booker a question about CP3's performance. And I think he said, next question. <laughs> like, they know what they have to do. You, you know, the and one I, thing about CP3 is question. he's going to hold himself accountable. That's funny, too. Yeah, that you, you got to, he knows what he needs to do. You know what I mean? He, he's, he's been in this game for a while, a long time, one of the best leaders in basketball, in my opinion. He gets criticized. We understand that. He needs a ring. We understand that. But when it comes down to it, you cannot, the one thing you cannot say about CP3 is his competitive fire is always there. He's going to always try his best to win a basketball game. As small as he is, he guarded Chris Middleton there in the fourth quarter. Chris Middleton was able to hit some shots over him, and then Chris Paul was able to get some stops. And Chris Middleton probably has, what, six inches over him, over CP? You know, so I just love his leadership and I love his accountability. He holds himself accountable. He holds his teammates accountable, which was is what a leader should do, a point guard should do. And he knows what he needs to do. He does not need to have a bad game six. I don't think he will have a bad game six. I think he will bounce back. Oh, fingers crossed. I just don't think CP wants to go out in this type of fashion, losing four in a row. Yeah, and if 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 he's, you know, battling something that slows him down physically, he still has a tremendous mental capacity to change a game. You know what I mean? Like he knows the game so well and he knows what is happening. Um that I think that he can, you know how sometimes like if if players don't have it and they just don't have it that night, they don't know what to do. You know, they they don't know how to make up for it. Like if somebody's missing their shots and they don't know how to make up for it on the defensive end, I feel like Chris Paul knows what to do. Like if he if his shot isn't falling, if his if something isn't working, he knows how to compensate in other ways. And I think maybe that's what you're getting at, Janelle. Like he can't just be like, Oh, I had a bad night. He needs to figure out all the other ways that he can contribute and make an impact if one thing isn't working. Is that kind of yeah. what you're getting to? Yeah, that's what I'm getting to. Yes. I mean, it, because he has been an elite point guard for a while, and th- those elite players, usually they figure it out. He needs to figure it out. If you, if you want that ring, you need to figure it out, period. I think he will. The, the fan in me says he will. He will, you know, he'll figure it out. And I don't think Chris Paul wants to go out this way. I think, well, he's not going to retire, but I'm just saying he doesn't want to have a 2 0 lead and lose four in a row. I just, that will leave a bad taste in his mouth. Yeah, it would. It should. So we probably have time for one more topic. Should we talk a little bit about the upcoming draft or do you guys want to like counsel me through the 
garbage that the Blazers are turning into right now. <laughs> I think I I'll think, talk either I, one. I think talking about the Blazers would be more interesting because I mean the draft is the draft. And you know, you know my stance on the draft. I mean, the Warriors need to trade either one of those picks. I don't care what. But you know, you can't rely on these rookies. I don't care how talented they that they are to really come in and make an immediate impact. You know, the the Warriors need some vets. I, I agree I with that. I don't care about no potential. I'm like Draymond. You know, I don't care about their potential. They they need they need the help now. And I know the Warriors have a you know, hired Atkinson, Atkinson, and a couple of development-minded coaches, but that is for the people they already have, like Wiseman, like uh, Jordan Poole, but they can't, they can't stand no more. We need a nice mix of veterans and younger guys, but that's just me. The other thing I'll say about the draft is I'm eager to see what OKC does with picks. I'm eager to see what they do with Kimball Walker. And I'm looking forward to draft night as an OKC Thunder fan. But I would want to know about the, how you feel about the Blazers, Tar, because good grief. So <laughs> I'm going on in Portland. What is I'm, going on in Portland, Tar? I don't know. <laughs> I, I'm curious, like, what it looks like from the outside because um you know as a blazer fan like the the long and the short of it is that you know more recently rumors of damian lillard's satisfaction with the team are increasing to the point that on friday there was you know a sourced report quasi um that said that he was going to be asking for a trade within the next couple of days so like from people outside of the Blazers did you all think oh okay here we go Damian Lillard is going to ask for a trade or did you have like any skepticism about it I had some skepticism about it because you know when it comes to Dame the only source that is reliable to me is Chris Haynes if Chris didn't report it then I can't really take too much stock into it so I'm, I'm still skeptical. I, I'm with you, Janelle. I think Chris Haynes just has that inside. And then when he has it, then Shams has it and Woj has it. Whichever those three, right? Those three are probably the most reliable. I thought about retweeting it, but I didn't. Um, I didn't retweet it. I was like, wait a minute. I need to hear this from Dame's mouth. And then I saw a report that Dame is going to talk about his future with the Trailblazers. I think it was Chris Haynes who said it. It was Chris. About, yes. Yeah, it's going to talk about his future in a press conference he's going to do with, you know, Team USA. So I'm like, okay, cool. And Dame says he wants to be there. But Dame and Portland have to get on the same page. They're not on the same page, I don't think. What do you think, Tara? Because you're an insider. I, from the outside looking in, I don't think they're on the same page. Yeah, no, I... I definitely agree with that, that they are not on the same page. Here's the weird thing about that source. So uh, 
the Friday morning when I woke up, I woke up to aggregated content that had headlines that said Damian Lord is going to ask for a trade. So I was like, hmm, what is going on here? Is this just a continuation of things that have been reported before? Because, you know, it was Chris Haynes who said earlier that like Damian was closer than ever to that being at that point, but did not go so far as to say he was at that point. So I was like, okay, let's, let's look and, you know, try to figure out what's going on here. So I clicked the link, you know, in the aggregated things that were all, you know, headlined, Damien is going to ask for a trade and traced it back to uh, Henry Abbott Mm -hmm. from True Hoop, who you probably, you know, have all heard about. And it's interesting because, you know, he is somebody who is from Portland and has been a you know, a Blazer fan, as much as sports writers are a fan of any team, he's been around for a long time. Uh, he worked for ESPN for quite a while. Um, and now he has, a, you know, a Substack newsletter. So it, the, this, the thing that all of these aggregated reports were pointing back to was his, uh, uh, his newsletter. And the newsletter wasn't titled like, you know, Damian Lillard is like asking for a trade. It was something like, you know, here we are. Um, and I actually, when I read the, the newsletter, I had to read it twice before I even found the line that said a source said that Damien was going to be asking for a trade in the next couple of days. Cause really the whole point of the newsletter was like, here's everything that has happened so far in this off season. That's leading to the point where Damien Lord is clearly dissatisfied. And that brings it to the point that you two have brought up that it's clear that Damien Lord is no does not is not in lockstep with the leadership anymore. Damian Lillard has always been somebody who has said, you know, I would be a terrible GM because I'd still have all my same players and I would never trade everybody, anybody because I love all my guys, you know? And, um, but uh, it seems at this point that there has been, that it's come to a point where he is no longer, uh, just straight up trusting the organization to do what he wanted and what he thinks that they should do. And he had a press conference on Friday that we were talking about earlier, the team USA one. Um, and the thing that came over that came out to me that he said over and over again was urgency, urgency, urgency. There is now a sense of urgency. And he talked about how, um, you know, when, you know, every exit, every playoff exit that he makes, he looks in the mirror and, uh, you know, everybody needs to look in the mirror. And I started thinking about it. And I think what really happened was two years ago when they made their finals run, I think people were like, okay, well, Nurk's going to come back. We'll add a guy in Robert Covington who can play defense and the team's going to be great. And everybody just assumed that the, that the player, the, the team was going to make that leap. And so they didn't make the huge trade. They didn't go all in to like, you know, trade CJ. They, you know, they, they, it was always about like, Nurk's going to come back and everything's going to be great. And they're going to go back, right back to being a Western Conference finals team. And I think, um, so like when Damien says that he's looking at himself in the mirror and everybody needs to look at themselves in the mirror, I think that's his message to the front office saying, what you thought was going to happen didn't work and you've waited too long. And now you need to move now because I am not going to wait around forever. I deserve better. I mean, this is me like putting words in his mouth. He said over and over and over again that he's loyal to Portland. And I 100% believe that he keeps saying, I want to win a championship in a Portland Jersey. 
that doesn't mean that he couldn't get so fed up with Portland that he couldn't leave to go win one somewhere else and still like be bummed that he didn't win it in Portland. Like him, him saying he wants to win a championship in Portland in no way closes the door for him to leaving in the future. And I think he's reminding the team of that right now. And I think he's, I think maybe even when he said that he woke up to this news, it was all news to him. It could be people from his team who are just like, we're not putting up with this anymore. Like Dame's not going to say something. So we're going to say something and force the Blazers hand. So I think it's entirely possible that he could ask for a trade down the road. But from what we know about Damian Lillard, he's been like, he's so stubborn and he's so stubborn about doing things his way. I think this is the shot across the bow to the organization that you better do something or else. Especially because remember he is in the Olympics and he's around other coaches and that can influence his mindset. You know, he's, he's kind of tight with, well, he's pretty cool with Draymond on the team and all these other players that can influence his mindset. And they, and you know, they talk, they talk about um, what goes on, you know, that, that might can influence his mindset and be like, Hey, I came back from the Olympics and here's what I learned. Here's what I think we should do as a team. And, and, you know, know? yeah. And like for so many years, the general manager, Neil Olshay has been telling us all how hard it is to get free agents to come to Portland. Everything is so hard. Everything is just so hard. And so we go, yeah, okay. We get it. It is hard. Like there's a lot of reasons not to come to Portland. Like, we get that. And we've like, I know I, for one have just sort of accepted that. And that's wrong. Like I shouldn't have the general manager of the team that I root for telling people around the league, Oh, it's really hard to get people to come here. Like he should be out there, like telling people how much, how great it is to come to Portland. And instead he's having press conference after press conference, telling us fans, you know, you know, we tried, but we just do not And meanwhile, as fans, we're looking around the league going, there's all kinds of trades going on. So, you know, I think a lot of it is like, there's been a lot of people who this whole time have been vociferously blaming the GM. And I'll admit that I'm one of those people who's been late to that particular chorus i've been drinking the the kool-aid about like yeah you know it is hard there's a lot going on we don't know or whatever and then i just started thinking like that's no message that you want the gm to be sending to people the gm is sending to the whole fan base like how hard it is to get people to come here and that's like that's ridiculous and then also you know there's been all kinds of other things with like the coaching hiring process that the uh the front office um you know they said that they i don't know if this made it to the national level but they said that they did this investigation but they couldn't tell us what the investigation was because it was proprietary so one of our local um public broadcasting station did their own investigation into the investigation and found out the Blazers really didn't do anything. Um, And then they found out some other stuff about the guy that they quote unquote hired, who basically made a phone call to like the police station and also probably like interviewed the coach and was like, so what happened anyway, no investigation that they told us was going to happen had happened. So anyway, in Portland, everybody's super, super mad at management. And it looks like Damian Lord has finally reached that point because all before this, they have been in lockstep 
and with things being leaked, whether or not through Chris Haynes or through this other uh, source, it tells me that Damien, who keeps things very buttoned up and very close to his vest, has had it with what the organization has done. And he's giving them an opportunity to make it right. And boy, I hope that they make it right. Mm-hmm. So thank you for letting me get that off my chest. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen anymore? Yeah, I want to just sit back and watch because, you know, again, like I said, with the Olympics, you know, deals, pers- deals can be made, perspectives can change. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it'll be interesting to see, to hear about what Dame have learned from the experience. I, you know, I think that's, I think it's pivotal for him, actually. Yeah, I know that he was, I feel bad because he's been looking, he like, he was really mad when he got cut by team USA several years ago. And, and then like, he didn't go the last time they were going to the world cup. I can't remember too many other obligations or something like that. So he's been looking forward to this, which is why it's kind of a bummer that it seems like they're sort of like not going into the Olympics with the strongest position they've ever had. Uh, But I think you're right. We know that relationships uh, get forged, you know, in this, um, in this thing. But the other thing that, I'm kind of wondering what you guys think about this is that like lost in this whole discussion is it all centers on so much of it centers on the Blazers trading CJ. And I'm so worried that people are forgetting like CJ in all of this, like it's reached this fever pitch where people are like, finally, they're going to trade CJ. And I just worry that like CJ is going to go away thinking that nobody appreciated him for what he is and it's also like not great because the the fan base is like clamoring so loudly to like trade cj that i other you know like that doesn't uh drive his value up let's just say and i just i'm so worried that like the 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 thing that people are going to remember about cj is six years worth of people saying they should trade cj and finally the blazers did it without appreciating cj for everything that he's done so i'm really 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 hoping that if they do trade cj and i think that they will that they find somewhere for him that appreciates him for he's a great dude and he's a really good player and he has been like a good soldier this whole time he has like been you know he's rolled with everything and just let it roll off his back and done his thing and i just i don't want him to get lost i don't want the value of what he brings to any organization and to the nba in general to be lost because i think cj is a tremendous person yes I believe that too. I, I agree. And Nurk made a statement. I'm pretty sure you saw this, Tara. When, you know, the rumors were going around, he was saying it was cap. And people were like, well, these are reliable sources. And he's like, it's all cap. <laughs> he now, didn't say that. Brother, I, yeah, I think that's what Nurk said. Mm-hmm. So... I want to see Dame succeed, but if Portland can't get it together, I I wouldn't mind him going elsewhere. I really wouldn't. Because he gave that organization, well, he Not has given here. that organization a lot. A decade. Mm-hmm. 
10 years, nine, 10 years. Yeah. Yeah. He's like nine years in. This will be his, I think this will be his 10th year. He's given so much and he has been so patient. And I really like, I really think, I really think the more I think about it is that they just assumed that after that finals run, Nurkic was going to be back and everything was going to be okay. Because that year that Nurkic was gone, their big free agent moves, hold on to your hats, were Mario Hazonia, uh, <laughs> Kent Bazemore. There were some, some more trades and some more free agency. So their big, their big offseason moves that year were Kent ended up in them getting Hassan Whiteside, Kent Bazemore, Mario Hazonia and Anthony Tolliver. And that's not to say anything bad against any of them, but when you're looking at all the other moves that are being made around the league and we're told that like, this is the best we could do. It's like, oh my God, I can't believe I've put up with this for so long. I feel like an idiot. Yeah, that's, that's tough, Tara. I, you know, us smart marketing has got to stick together, Tara. We do. We do. <laughs> I, and I this feel like tough. affinity with more and more affinity with Sacramento all the time. <laughs> yeah, because Sacramento doesn't know what they want to do. I mean, Luke Walton is still a head coach for Sacramento Kings. I should tell you everything yeah, you need to know. And he will be for a long time. <laughs> yeah, so I can, I can relate. I was actually thinking about, you know, how Sacramento has their little summer league. Um, mm-hmm. One of these years, I'm going to go down to that because I think that would be that would be really fun. I'm not going to go to Summer League. I was like toying with going to Summer League this year, but then I'm just so mad at the Blazers. I don't want to like spend my money. And also like Vegas in July is bad enough. Vegas in August seems like a whole nother level of torture. <laughs> it probably would be. And then, you know, this Delta variant is spreading. So I'm probably going to stay. I don't go anywhere anyway, but to the gym. But you know, I thought about summer league. I thought about the big three. I was like, those are some things I want to do this summer. But then the Delta variant said, hold up, y'all. Mm-hmm. Uh-uh. What y'all think y'all doing? Mm-hmm. We don't care if you vaccinated or not. We coming for you. So I was like, you know what, Delta? I'm going to listen to you. I'm just going to chill at the house. But those were some summer activities I wanted to do. But I'll probably just, just keep my butt at home. Yeah, I, I go to the beach in about a, a couple of weeks. And, you know, hopefully... Uh, and I'm going with my mask also, but you know, after that, I think I'll just chill out and I and even go to the gym. I mean, our gym is open back up, back up, but you know, I, I've had some concerns and some reservations, but at least with the Y, they have they still have masks, so you know, and you still have to spray everything. So I, I think I'll be cool with the gym. Yeah, it seems to me like when you're in situations where you're like breathing heavy or shouting or doing all those things that are like bringing up all that stuff out of your lungs and putting it into the air, we should still be masking. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I have a sports mask I wear to the gym (laughs) and I wear my sports mask to the gym. But I'm usually isolated by myself, usually because I'm like on the track and I'm usually there up there by myself or. I'm on the court shooting around and I'm usually by myself with nobody around, but I still wear their sports mask. I've got so used to wearing it that it's just become second nature to me. Then I have hand sanitizer in the car and I wash my hands and things like that and sanitize my keys and I'm going about my day. 
Yeah. And, you know, all these new habits we've picked up, if it means we're just less sick in general, too, that's a nice bonus. It is. It's a great bonus. Uh, maybe this has taught people about, you know, general hygiene, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, should we wrap it up there? Thank you so much for letting me get all that off my chest. I feel better. Cool. <laughs> oh, no problem. We we know that, you know, Portland's near and dear to your heart, just like OKC is near and dear to my heart. You know, Janelle Golden stays near to her heart. So you have to let that out. You just got to let it go. And this is a safe space and you're able to do that within the sisterhood and outside the sisterhood if you feel that way as well. Yeah, just really excited to see what's going to happen this off season. And if they sit on their hands and do nothing, that's going to speak volumes. And I will definitely be getting uh, out my Memphis Grizzly and Sacramento Kings gear. I know that's a strange combination. Very, but it's okay. All right. I guess that's it for us. We missed Britt. She's on vacation. Janelle and Tara will be on vacation next week. So we'll be coming back the week after that. And when we come back, the NBA draft will be already Mm -hmm. taking place. Yes, this is on the 29th. I'm looking at my calendar. So we will talk a little bit about the NBA draft and what the teams did. Okay, C has three picks in the first round. Goat State has two picks in the first round. How many picks does Portland have overall? Zero. Okay. Sorry, did I yell um, that? Zero. You the anger in her voice about the draft picks. But we appreciate you guys for tuning in. This will be out early next week. I'm assuming, I'm assuming Tara will be editing and this will be out early next week. I want Tara and Brad and Janelle to enjoy their vacations and we will see you back here in two weeks thank you for joining the Step Back Sisterhood